This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hello, I am here with uh, John Thorne. He is uh, the Sustainability Coordinator for Glasgow School of Arts, and I have a pleasure to talk to him today during the morning. Thank you very much, John, for accepting to take part in this series of conversations, chat or podcast, I don't know how do you want to call it. For me, it's everything the same, but anyway. So uh, if you are happy, I will ask you the first question that I am curious to hear from you. So in your perception, what are the benefits to pursue a career on sustainability, a career related to sustainability? Thanks, Theresa. It's great to see you again and, and to be involved with your students. So hello to the students. Uh, so I'm the environmentalist at the Glasgow School of Art, which is, is a bit strange having an environmentalist at an art school, but it's because art and design are so much part of the solution for issues like climate change and biodiversity loss. I believe strongly that art has the power to connect people to uh, issues and uh, emote. You, you see art and you emote with it. It makes you happy, sad, it makes you angry, it makes you do things. And design, you know, we need design to redesign our systems. So for me, a, a career in sustainability has led me here uh, through a tortuous route through uh, hotels, banks, hostels, milkmen, all sorts of things. So another thing I would say is there's, there's no there's no wrong path. And we'll talk about uh, career paths uh, maybe later if we can. But I think what it does give you is a really rich understanding of what potentially is going on and how your career might actually do something positive. So whatever your discipline, uh, it will help give you a richer, deeper, broader appreciation of, of your own subject. And that's the benefit for me as an environmentalist. It's It's got me knowing so much more about art and, and design and through talks with other students, with engineering students, with psychology students. It's just, it's just broadened what I know. It's given me a much richer uh, career path. So, and what are the challenges in pursuing a career related to sustainability? I think it can feel like you're going against the flow sometimes. It can feel like maybe in any institution, uh, managers and um, some subjects don't feel uh, sort of related to sustainability. But sustainability is, is really just is ethics, it's equity, it's equality it's social justice, it's good environmental benefits, it's it's a whole range of things you can apply to almost any subject. So the challenge really for me is actually making people feel connected to it. And uh, as a career, it, you spend a lot of time working with people trying to get them to do things with their, within their own discipline. And that's why it's been great working with academics like yourself who you get the fact that we need to think about environmental and social justice within other subject areas which which aren't traditionally green so that that for me is just a, a great positive challenge really it's it's meant to again i've had a, a great chance to interact with a whole range of disciplines so that the challenge is also the benefit and um, which type of organization do you think is harder to work on sustainability uh, ngos or multinational corporations I think a lot of students are wanting to go to work for multinationals and I don't particularly have a problem with that because I think it's a, you can have a career path, an environmentally friendly, ethical career path within a multinational and I think we need new thinking, young thinking, 
inside these corporations to try and get them to change their their ways and to to make take meaningful action. Because a lot of what corporations are doing at the moment, we all know, is is pretty much greenwashing, and it's it's not really helping. So I think follow the at least starting off. Maybe students don't have a choice, so they should go for the company they think will give them the best prospects, and that might be a, um, an NGO, a charity, or it might be a corporation. It might be uh, that you then go on to something else after that. So I know plenty of people who've worked in the oil industry and then seen the light and they're actually looking at things which are, are better than oil and gas. But you know, some of our students, yours and mine, uh, engineering students here, uh, will end up working for oil and gas and Jaguar and Ford and ITI and all the rest. I don't particularly tell them not to do that. I just hope that they can help change those those companies um, and that's really the focus here to go to go with awareness into whatever you, you plan to do in the future. So uh, how do you think now um, we are going into um, the higher education so because you have a, a very long track record on higher education so how do you think institutions in higher education in the UK could improve their performance towards sustainability? Well, this strangely has a lot to do with my own well-being because I used to get ex extremely stressed and, and like most environmentalists, a bit depressed and sit in dark rooms for long periods of time. But really, for me, it's about uh, each institution, each person in an institution doing their bit within their own subject or profession. So I can't really change at my level how states work or procurement or an academic teachers, but I can talk to them and uh, maybe um, negotiate with them about how they teach or how they work. So getting estates to build better buildings, uh, look at their waste differently, reuse more on, on campus, improve uh, recycling. I'm not a fan of recycling particularly, but you know, as a last resort, it's, it's good. I think higher education really needs to bring it firmly into the curriculum, so mainstream it. And every project, every program specification, every assessment criteria should have something to do with, with ethics, uh, social justice and environmentalism. Everything we do should be linked to it you know, rather than standalone sustainability modules. I, I don't particularly teach those. I'm not an academic anyway, but I don't teach a sustainability module. I talk to a designer about how to be a better designer, an artist to move, move it into their work. Uh, so improving performance, there's, there's the campus and there's the curriculum. So the campus should look after itself. States should be building efficient buildings. Procurement at your university and mine, I know will both be very good. They actually get it and it's usually cheaper to buy more environmentally friendly and things and to equip buildings better so they use less heat and less light. Uh, so sometimes it's built into the system, but the curriculum is difficult. You know, how do you tell a history student, for example, or even an accountant student that it's relevant? And it's, it's building in that relevance really. And the academics, a lot of them weren't trained in this. I'm, I'm in my 50s and I happily sailed through school, like a lot of the academics here, knowing nothing about climate change. It was great. It was, it was guilt free. There was, there was no problem using anything you wanted, all the oil and gas. Uh, and those academics, need to be supported to come up to speed as well. And that's just reflective of society. Some people get it and some people don't. The great thing is in eight years at the GSA is I'm seeing a lot more students get it. And that's really driving change. And managers, I know at your institution and mine are really starting to take notice. And, and I would encourage your know, students to uh, 
make noise and actually say they want more of this kind of more of this kind of work in the curriculum. Why do you think students are getting more engaged? I think they've got more to lose. Uh, you know, I might last another 30 years and I don't want to get depressing, but I think most of the, the trouble will probably be after that. But I think in my lifetime, we can still expect to see climate weirding. We've seen heat domes, we've seen droughts and fires. I was looking at the world's biggest tree today in the news being wrapped in a fire blanket. So that's, that's climate weirding and it's going to get uh, dramatic. It's going to get uh, very changeable. Certain areas are going to be very difficult to live in. So we're looking at things like mass migrations and droughts and fires and all the nasty things we don't want. And we can manage our way out of that and change our system. And students, I think, know they're going to be key to do it. It was people who look like me and sound like me and about my age who've made this mess. And that's the peer group I'm addressing all the time to try and make that change. But certainly students in that key 18 to 22 year bracket we, we both work with are going to be absolutely part of the solution within their own subject areas. So I want to say a bit about general activism as well, because it's great to go out mentally. You know, during COP, I'll be out with a, with a banner and doing the walks. And I'm a cyclist, so I'll be doing cycling demos. But absolutely, during their careers, that is the biggest impact they can have. You're actually finding ways to apply their skills and knowledge that they learn at university and, and learn through their careers. And that is what is important for students, I think. And it's great for your mental health. You feel, actually feel better if you feel you're doing something. So I'd say to any of your students that are maybe anxious about climate change, yes, there's a really good reason to be anxious, but the solution is to think about the psychology of it. And I know I've talked to you before about Climate Psychology Alliance Scotland, and that's a great resource. Climate Psychology Alliance Scotland have meetings and conferences, and that's really helped me understand why I was anxious and how to deal with it. And I deal with it through my work, and I would encourage any student to deal with it through their studies, build it in, and think about career paths, and it just does you so much good. And um, do you think information, information, the way the information nowadays is being transmitted and is being received by young generations, do you think this is um, a differential? I suppose you mean social media, that sort of side yeah. of things? Can, can, can we go to accountability? So, for instance, I think uh, 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 we have formal ways to account for different things, for climate change, for uh, the use of water, for the use of biodiversity. And um, accountability and sustainability uh, Transparency of information is part of this module. So there are many ways we can be transparent. So not only informal reports inside of the organization, but at the website, uh, on social media, as you know. So how important do you think this um, communication is to solve the issues you, you have mentioned in this, in this video? I think transparency is key, but also it's an interesting exercise to look at the companies that have maybe caused some of this problem in providing the goods and services that we, we all live by and use and thinking about how they're reacting. So a lot of companies will be greenwashing and just trying to carry on with their own business plans. So you and I both know, you know, any company I think will continue 
with their current business plan, their current tooling. They don't want to retool. They don't want to retrain. If they're making money, you know that's the that's the capitalist way of doing things, and they'll try their very best to carry on like that. I think what transparency can do is highlight if that's happening still in a company, and they're just adding on nice bits to look green. So, for example, BP is a really nice example. If you look up BP carbon footprint calculator, we're all encouraged to work out our carbon footprints. And BP came up with that idea to deflect blame from what they do. Now, BP, I don't, I don't really, funnily enough, blame the oil industry because the oil industry does what it says on the tin. Uh, but I think they do need to transition very quickly, and we need to help them transition more quickly. And that again goes back to students getting careers. You know, if some of your students might go and work for the oil industry. That's fine in my book if they can help it, encourage it internally to, to transition. But I think what tra transparency can do is actually highlight what's being meaningfully done and what is not meaningful. And that is so important, I think, with, with corporations and our own lives. Are we being asked to do something meaningful or not? If we're not and we're not transparent about it, I think that's bad for our mental well-being and for our careers. But if we can be transparent and if we can go in actually thinking about how we can change that corporation, how we can communicate more effectively with people outside of it, then I think that's a really positive thing to do. And we see lots of fake news. So how can we deal with this in, in the environment of uh, sustainability, in the context of sustainability, social issues, environmental issues? How, how do you deal with fake news? I think there's been a few films and books that have opened up my eyes about the lengths some companies will go to to actually deflect what they're doing. So a really classic one was uh, furniture with a lot of people in the 80s, early 80s in the UK were uh, setting fire to their furniture because they were smoking, drinking and falling asleep and the cigarette goes down and the, the chair goes up and a lot of people were dying. So. Um, what the cigarette companies did was they could have spent a few more cents on building a cigarette that goes out safely, or they could uh, blame the furniture and fill the furniture with toxic chemicals that put out fires. So nowadays, to this day, when you go into a furniture store, you'll see a label hanging on a piece of furniture saying it's fireproof. And what this means is, never buy new furniture, by the way. What this means is every sofa, every chair is packed full with several pounds of this toxic, cassiogenic uh, material, this chemical, which will which will help put the fire out if, it, if the cigarette goes onto the furniture. So that's a classic case of deflection. And the same people, the very same consultants that came out and argued that uh, on television back in the 80s, or back in the 90s and the, the 2000s, talking about climate change. And we've gone through, you know, it's not happening, it's not real, to it may be man-made, to um, there's probably limited you know, stuff we can do within the current system, to it will hurt poor people is the latest one. And poor people, People in the global south, poorer people in the UK and, and Europe and the Americas will be the hardest hit because people with money can protect themselves. So uh, I think the answer there is to actually think about, you know, why is a company doing a particular thing? Why is Shell promoting an electric car race across Europe, for example, those sorts of marketing things and try and see past the marketing and delve down to the reality check things like reality check on on BBC, um, check the websites that try and check the the companies, work with NGOs and and question what some of the NGOs are doing as well because some of the bigger ones are fairly corporate as well and work with these companies and should you work with these companies? That's a question universes are always asking is who with what voices should we bring in 
to the university to speak to students. I think it's okay to bring in most people to speak to students as long as the awkward questions are asked because you know we have the Plastics Federation coming here and speaking to students. Well, that's fine as long as the students actually ask the awkward questions to the Plastics Federation when they're here. So it's, it's about, it's a, it's a bit of a voyage of discovery. I would say eyes open, be aware, think about you know what the company's interests are and do they have a, a real change in mind and it just becomes an interesting journey then actually looking at what the companies do. You can with social media and because that's all very transparent actually challenge them. Occasionally I go on to Coca-Cola's website or someone else who produces a lot of plastic bottles and you know I'll take a picture of a plastic bottle and I'll say is this yours because I believe that Coca-Cola still own that bottle even though it's on the ground, someone's thrown it on the ground. You know, they've got profit from that bottle, someone else has drunk it and I'm really you know, concerned that Coca-Cola aren't responsible for that bottle anymore. They don't have to dispose of it. So it's, it's, it's thinking like that. You know, when you see a plastic bottle on the ground, who owns that plastic bottle? Who made money from that? Um, and all the person's done really is spend money and, and probably gained a few pounds for, for buying Coca-Cola. So if, if we, we are in a, in a higher education institution, so we have different levels in which we we can be more proactive in sustainability. So we have the top managers, we have the academics, and we have the students, and we have the admin support, which is doing a wonderful job at trying to recycling, trying to raise awareness. So do you have any advice for all these um, members of staff, what they can do, and how can we move forward in the sustainability agenda? I think I, I work a lot with the Environmental Association of Universities and Colleges, so it's a terrible name, but it's, it's EAUC, and students can get involved with that as well, and they also offer professional support across universities, so there's a procurement support group, there's a construction support group, there's a curriculum support group, and students can go to their conferences as well and sort of learn what's happening right across all universities and colleges, because we're, we're all dealing with the same issues. Glasgow School of Art, you know, Aberdeen, they're no worse and no better than anyone else really. But um, as far as professional support goes, yeah, I think a lot of people are trying to do recycling and buying better and I've spoken about procurement and estates are getting better and better each year at building better buildings and, and using less heat and energy and our carbon footprints are, are coming down as well. Universities like St Andrews are building huge wind farms. Uh, Edinburgh's got a huge team working on it. There's 25 people working in Edinburgh on sustainability. Um, nearly every university and college has someone like myself. But more importantly, I think, yeah, the managers are getting it. The, the academics are learning more about it as well. So I would encourage everyone you know, on staff to, to look at things like carbon literacy training. So sometimes as an environmentalist, you know, it's, you get too deep into it and you realise that some people don't have the basic info. So it's a really good idea to, to start, as, for anyone, to start as simply as possible and then just work your way through it. And also not to look, I would encourage anyone not to look too, you know, I know my fill when I've had too many dark movies and films and books about how terrible everything is. My focus now is I know there's a problem and I know how to fix it. It's working through you know, our existing system and changing it as quickly as possible. So everyone has a part to play in that. So I, I focus very much on the positive aspects of what artists and designers can do here. And I think other universities have a huge role to play in things like uh, geology, engineering and business. 
and we and accountancy. I mean, we can't solve it without every discipline being involved. So uh, I think it's it's making sure everyone does their job because I'm 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 one person in 350 staff here, and there's no way I can fix the whole of the Graduate School of Art. But I don't really need to. It's it's what the students will leave here and go on and do that's the important thing because that effect will be millions of times more than what the effect of the GSA is at the moment. So I think it, it's a role for everyone and trying to educate people and inform people and build it into the systems across the university, campus and state. Thank you very much. Do you have any other comments, any additional comments, any advice for accounting students? I think we're having a discussion sometime after this and I'd be really interested. One of the, the great things about my work is I learn more about subjects I know very little about. So I now know a fair bit more about design and, uh, and art, but uh, always glad to speak to students with other uh, disciplines and who are going to work in other sectors about what they think they can do as well and how they feel. And I'm always interested in how anxious, you know, just things like this make people. Maybe this is something some students have thought about. Uh, some students will, will never build it into their work, but I know the ones that do will have better career prospects and they'll actually be able to help fix the issues we're, we're facing and we're going to face in the future. So I, I would just say, if at all possible, get engaged, even if you're not a raging environmentalist like me, you know, it can benefit your career, it can benefit how you work and the depth and breadth of your, of your knowledge and how to work with other disciplines to, to fix issues. Thank you very much, John, for your time. And I'm sure the students will have many questions and um, I'm sure they will be able to go back to you um, and we will so sort it out in the way you can reply to them later on. That's Thank great. You. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.